is everybody today? Happy New Year. Gotta say it a little bit louder. Say Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I know some of y'all were yelling way louder than that Friday night, right? Anybody? No? <laughs> I see some people saying, I was asleep. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I, I am, um, I'm excited to be able to share with you today. And, um, and I just want to go ahead and jump into the word. So, so thank you. Thank you, Pastor. So I, um, I, I love the fact that we have um, pastors that um, honor the Lord, amen, in everything that they do and that provide a, a place for us to come together as one and actually hear from the Lord, amen. I'm so glad that we are not a cookie cutter type church that we just, you know, show up and sing two songs and take the offering and, um, and hear about a 20-minute word. That's been a long time since we've heard about a 20-minute word, isn't it? I don't, I don't know that that's ever happened in here. But you get my drift, right? Are you thankful for our pastors today? Amen? So I just want to honor our pastors today. You know, in the midst, in, in our leadership team, because in the midst of, you know, I can remember us going into, in, in March, at our 30-year anniversary, and who knew what was ahead of us and, and the ride that we were going to be on for the next 24 months. And I am, I'm thankful that we have leadership, that we have pastors, that we have people around us that said, hold on, because we're going to keep moving. Amen? Hold on. Put your seatbelt on. Right? Grab hold of the hem of the garment of the Lord, because we're going where he goes, and he doesn't stop. Amen. He doesn't change. He's not affected by every single wave, every single wind that comes down. He's not affected by all of that. And I'm thankful that we have pastors and leaders that heard from the Lord and said, we're, we're moving forward. We're moving forward. Everybody say forward. 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 It's a powerful word, and I'm thankful for that. And so I just have a few things I want to share with you today that I know the Holy Spirit's been talking with me about. And I shared with Pastor Chuck you know, Thursday, I had a neatly typed up word. It was highlighted in beautiful colors, and uh, the scriptures were red print in an awesome font. And then last night at about 11 o'clock, you know, the Lord just began to really stir me. I mean, I was, I was reading back over and just praying and saying, Lord, you know, is this it? Is this, is this what you want to say? And, and I just felt the Lord sending me in another direction. So is it okay if I just talk to you as family today? Amen. And so a couple of things that the Lord said to me is this, and, um, cause I, how many of you know, we can get really, really hyped up about new years. I think I kind of got over that a long time ago. You know, I kind of did. I was just like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to bed. Yeah. Cause how many of you know, in reality, January the 1st is truly just a changing of the clock, right? It's just really, just heading into the next day. But I know a lot of times we can get really like, okay, this is it, man. This year is over. Man, I've had a terrible year, and I'm ready for the new. I'm ready for the, the things that are coming down. And I think all of that's great. But I also know that how many of you know that, that we've been actually trained to think that way? We've been actually trained to think, you know, January the 1st, all things become new. And, you know, the Holy Spirit was just reminding me about this. I was just praying but, you know, really, 2 Corinthians 5.17, how many of you know really when all things became new? All things became new for us when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior, right? The Bible is very clear. He says, if any man be in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, all things have become new for us. And so, and that happened for us 2,000 years ago. I was so appreciative. Pastor Karen said, you know what? The cross, Jesus Christ. Yes, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate that he left the splendor of heaven. Philippians 2 says he stripped himself of all deity and he came down and he trusted the Father so much that he became a baby. And he laid in that manger. How many of you know that's a lot of dependence upon the Holy Spirit right there? Amen? Because he was, and I want you to think about that. He was a baby. He was the son of God, but he was... Son of man. He became son of man for us. And that's very, very important for us. 
Because if we just think, you know, oh, you know, Jesus was son of God, son of God, son of God, he is. But how many of you know if he never became son of man, that means we could never have that relationship with the father. Right? Right? And now we have a man that's living in the Godhead. His name is Jesus. And because he's in the Godhead, how many of you know he made a place for us to be seated in that heavenly place with him? And so as we go into the new season today, you know, I was just thinking about all this, reminded about all the times sometimes that we, we get, you know, our heart is in the right place and, and we're eager and we're just like, you know, God, I just, I just do. I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for the new. I'm ready for the new. I'm ready for the new. And then a lot of times we go into it and I was listening to um, Audia and Porter today that says, what's the percentage of people? Like how long do they keep it? Their New Year's resolutions? 8%. 8%. <laughs> 8%. That's not even your whole road that you're sitting on, folks. Okay? Some of y'all probably already gave up on it this morning when you ate your, you know, when you ate your breakfast instead of, you know, eating that egg this morning. You ate a donut. Right? So I don't put a lot of faith in New Year's resolutions at all. Because you know what? Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt, got the cap, got the shoes, got everything that says. I am a loser when it comes to, to New Year's resolution. Big old L, loser, right? And so, but I'm thankful today that I do have, though, a father that says to me, Isaiah 43, look, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Will you not see it? Will you not see it? And the issue for us today and going into this year is not whether or not God's going to do a new thing. The issue is whether or not we're going to see it. That's the issue. The issue is whether or not we're going to sit down at the table long enough with him to allow him to show us what that new thing is and to whisper that new thing in our ear. And, and the issue is, are we going to call it forth? Are we going to say what he says? Are we going to say what he says the way he says it? Right? Okay, are you with me? That's, that's the God that we served. It's not whether or not he's doing a new thing. He's always doing something new. The issue is, are we with him? Are we with him? And so I have a couple of points here I just want to share with you. And the first one is this. I was thinking about new days. Everybody saying new days. New days. And new days begin in the dark. New days begin in the dark. I can remember a bishop saying that many, many years ago. All new days begin in the dark. When you really think about that, you're like, well, that doesn't sound like a very happy New Year's little point today. But let's think about that. So because I, I know, I, I know sitting in this room today, there are people that probably on the turning of the clocks didn't feel like it was going to be a very happy New Year, right? Maybe things around you are still looking pretty dark. Maybe you didn't feel any hope. Maybe you didn't feel any excitement right? There's people that you're just, you're just happy to still be alive. Anybody? Come on. There's people that this year has bruised you. It has broken you. It has broken your heart, right? There's people that, that you're looking around you and you're saying, I don't see anything new. I just see the same old rubble. I just see the same old rubble around me. I just see the same old, same old that I've been seeing for for years, and, and, and you come to church, and you're like, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to get my faith up there. But the reality is we go back home, and then we look around us to all of just the rubble and the ashes, and we're worn out. Anybody be honest enough to say that? Yeah, we're, we're worn out. And everybody's screaming and yelling about, you know, Happy New Year, and you're just like, I just need to go to bed, <laughs> right? And so there's hype about all this fresh start. But nothing is new. And so I want to encourage you this. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 20. Because I, I am actually going to read the Bible today. How about that? Did y'all bring your Bible? We're going to be family today. I'm, I'm doing a poll right now. If you actually have a real paper Bible, will you hold it up? <laughs> okay. So now my question is, if you're holding up a real paper Bible, are you over the age of 40? <laughs> yes? Anybody under the age of 40 that has a real paper Bible? Hallelujah. There's hope. There's hope for the world, Pastor Chuck. There's hope for the world. 
So I just want to encourage you. You need to get a Bible. You need to get this kind of Bible, right? And you need to mark it up. And you need to sit with it in your lap. And you need to open it in this new year. And you need to feel the paper, right? Are you with me? Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Listen, I love technology, but technology ain't saved nobody, as far as I know. Amen? And so, you need a real paper Bible. You need to hold this word in your hand, and you need to mark it up. If you looked at my Bible right now, I mean, I've got, it's marked up in purple. It's marked up in yellow. I've got notes written around it. I've got all kinds of stuff in it. And that's because that's been in the time where I'm sitting at the table. See, this is the table right here. This is the table. Right? This is the table. What does the Bible say Jesus is? He's the bread of life. This is the table. Right? And so when we come to the table, he feeds us. And so, um, and so in John chapter 20, I just want to talk to you about some people that were bruised, banged up, that weren't really looking forward necessarily you know, to happy new year. Okay, it was things like this. And so John chapter 20, the disciples, they're sitting here. This is after Jesus has been crucified. Okay, he's hung on the cross. And I want you to think about this. The, the people that were with him, they were disillusioned. You understand? They had been following him for three years. They had seen miracle after miracle. They had seen him turn water into wine. They had seen him feed thousands of people with just two little pieces of fish, right? They had seen him cast demons out of a man that had been so demon-possessed, mentally ill, right, that he had to live in a cave somewhere. He couldn't be around his family because he cut himself and he threw himself in the fire. And they had seen Jesus deliver this man. And this man show up to his mom and dad's house clothed and in his right mind. Come on, that's a miracle, right? They had seen all this stuff happen, and then now all of a sudden, these same people, you know, Jesus, Peter, who had said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you anywhere. You're the Christ. He, he denied him, right? Swore he never knew him, didn't know who he's talking about. So this is the crew right here that's in John chapter 20. All the other disciples ran away and hid they were afraid of the religious people. They were afraid, hey, they're going to come do to me what they did to Jesus. I better find me a good little hiding spot, right? This is the motley crew that we're reading about here in John 20. I want to make it plain to you that these were the people that had been following. They'd been up close and personal with Jesus. They had been at his table, literally at his table. You understand? And then now here they are all of a sudden. In John chapter 20, it says, Very early Sunday morning before sunrise, Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. When she arrived, she discovered that the stone, still the entrance, was moved away. She went running as fast as she could to go tell Peter and the other disciple. And I'm going to skip verse 3. It says, Then Peter and the other disciple jumped up and ran to the tomb to see for themselves. They started out together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb. You know who that is? I'm going to do a little bunny trail here. That was John. Why do you think, you think it's important that John said he outran Peter? That's got a little comp competitiveness right there. What do you think? Keep that in mind because I'm going to come back to that point in just a minute. So he didn't enter the tomb. So then what ends up happening, Peter goes in and he sees that the, t that the stones rolled away. He sees that Jesus isn't there. And then verse 8, then John goes in. And, and it says, after everyone looked, they believed. For until then, they hadn't understood the scriptures that were prophesied that he was destined to rise from the dead. Then they left and they went back to their home. And then it goes on to say that Mary, you know, she encountered um, um, Jesus there, right? And uh, Jesus said, hey, don't touch me, right? Um, because I, I'm going, I, I haven't ascended to God yet. I'm kind of going through this pretty quickly here. And then go to verse 18. It says, then Mary Magdalene left to inform the disciples of her encounter with Jesus. She says, I've seen the Lord. And she gave them his method, message. 
Verse 19, that evening, the disciples gathered together. And listen to this. And because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had the doors locked to the place where they met. But suddenly, Jesus appeared among them. And he said, peace to you. And he showed them the wounds on his hands and his side. And, and he, um, he goes on to say, peace to you. Just as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Somebody say, I'm sending you. Then taking a deep breath, he blew on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He blew the breath of the Holy Spirit upon them. He said, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's sins will be forgiven. Okay? So let's go back to the picture again. Here they are. They're disillusioned. They're behind locked doors. Right? And Jesus, they, the last time they saw him, he had been on the cross. But the whole time that they're thinking, it's dark. It's dark around me. I can't see anything. How many of you know Jesus was at work? I mean, no, the Father was at work. Because that entire period, guess what? Go back. If you read through Ephesians, it says that not only did Jesus die on the cross and that he was put into the tomb, said he ascended into the pits of hell, right? And he took back the authority. He took back the keys of death, right? Everybody was afraid of dying. They were afraid that he took back those keys of death. He took back the, 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 all the demons. It says he actually made a show of them. Colossians 2.15 says that he actually tied them up, marched them through hell, and made an open display of them. This is all happening while the disciples are locked up in a room, peeking out the window, right, thinking their whole world had come to an end, thinking that things were never, ever going to change, thinking that they had been abandoned. Anybody ever feel abandoned? Thinking that they had been abandoned, thinking that they had been betrayed. Look, this man said he was never leave us or forsake us, and where is he? We saw The last time we saw him, he's hanging on a cross, half naked. And then now, all of a sudden, they're in this room, and Jesus just walks in. And how many of you know when he walked in, everything changed? They were like, it's true. It's real. He has been resurrected. I believe. I believe because I've seen him. I've seen him. So I want to encourage you today that even though maybe you're starting this new year and you feel like there's utter darkness around you, listen, there is a holy shift that is happening for you. Everybody say, holy shift. There is a holy shift that God is doing. God is doing, even though we can't see it. Listen, we sing this stuff all the time, and sometimes I wonder if we actually believe what we're singing. We sing, even though I can't see you, you're still working. Even though I can't feel you, you're still working. I, do we believe what we sing? Do we believe what we sing? Amen? So it may be your new year is starting out, and you're saying, hey, all I see is dark. But listen, it is a new day. It is a new day. I promise you the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work. And he is working. And Job said, you know, when Job was in the middle of everything he was in, he said, you know what? I can't see God. I look ahead of me and I, I can't see. I can't see the future. I look behind me and all I see is darkness and devastation. He said, but I know I'm going to come through as pure gold because of his faithfulness. Amen. So maybe you're that person that's feeling that way. Maybe you feel like the disciples, you're hiding, you're, you know, maybe you're, you're, maybe you're living in regret. Think about Peter. I guarantee you Peter was regretting that he had denied him. He's probably sitting in that house going, man, I can't believe I denied him. I told him I would never leave him, right? I guarantee you some of the other disciples were like, man, I abandoned him. I just, I saw him on the cross and I just took off running. Come on, how many of you have some regrets that maybe you wish hadn't have been happened the same way? But listen, and then Jesus comes in and he says, listen, here's the only thing you need to know right now. Forget about your regrets. I love what Oswald Chambers says in My Utmost for His Highest. He says, listen, leave the irreparable past on the bosom of Jesus. Lay your past that you cannot fix 
You cannot go back and change. Put it on the heart of Jesus and keep moving forward into the future with him. Because he has gone before us into that future. Amen. I can remember years of just living in regret. And every time I would try to take a step forward, every time I would try to just, man, worship with full abandonment to the Lord, that just regret. The enemy's just right there. Yeah, but, yeah, right? And then there's this song that, that means so much to me. There's one line in it. It says, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves me. You want to get rid of regret? Focused, shift, come sit at the table and allow the Holy Spirit to say, eyes on me, eyes on me. Lay your regret down right here. Eyes on me. You don't have time to carry that regret at all. That regret's been forgiven. It's been covered by the blood of Christ. We cannot take those type things into 2022. We can't. We can't. And I believe today's a day that we can just lay it all here and walk out of here with regret and, and, and darkness broken off, us, off of us. And how did Jesus do it? The, what is the one thing he said to them? It said he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So if I could say anything to you today, I would say what Jesus says. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit, right? And a lot of times we think the Holy Spirit is, well, that's when I speak in tongues, right? And, and that's when I get goosebumps. And that's when sometimes people, you know, get slain the Spirit up here. And we have, well, all of that is evidence of the Holy Spirit, yes. But how many of you know when you get born again, when you say, Jesus, come into my life, guess who comes into you? Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. You have the same Holy Spirit inside of you right now as a born-again believer that Jesus depended on and did everything that he did while he walked the earth. Do you really believe that? Come on now. How did Jesus do everything that he did? He did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He did it in full 100% dependence upon the Father. How are we supposed to live? Any different? And a lot of people say, well, you know, I've, I've had people tell me, yeah, but, you know, Jesus, you know, how did, how did Jesus live a sinless life? He lived it by the power of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people say, well, you know, he lived a sinless life because he was God. Well, he was sinless, but how many of you know? The Bible says that he learned obedience by the things he suffered, right? He lived in total dependence the Bible says he was tempted in every single manner that's common to man. But how did he not do that? He, he stayed pure in total dependence upon the Father. He knew, eyes on me. He was at the table with the Father. And he knew, this is my purpose. This is what God has called me to. I was listening to a sermon by Bishop yesterday. And it, was, it said, clear eyes. You got to have clear eyes and a full heart, right? And I believe this is, I think it's so powerful, everything that's been communicated today. But I, I love the table because what happens at the tables, we come and we sit and there's the Father and here's Jesus and here's Holy Spirit. And they're saying, come on, clear eyes, look at me. Refocus, reset. Let's remember who you are. Let's remember why you're here. Let's remember what the purpose is. Let's remember what the cause is. Everybody say advance the cause. That's way more than about raising money to pay off our debt. In case y'all were wondering. So then he goes on and it says, Dawn is about to break. He's coming for you. Listen, Jesus is coming for us. The Holy Spirit is coming for us. He's coming for us in the private places of our life. Think about where he showed up with them. Where were they? They were, they were at their house. They were locked up. He didn't come for them in the middle of a worship service. Come on, they weren't at the temple doing an interpretive dance before the Lord. And he walked into the church. Does it say he walked into the church? 
No, he walked into their home where they were bowed, where they were fearful, where they were disillusioned, where they couldn't get a thought together. And when he walked in, everything changed. Because I want you to know that I believe totally that year 2022, he's coming for us in the private places of our life. Listen, anybody can be a Christian in the church. And there's a few of us that can't even do that. (laughs) I got in a lot of trouble standing right behind this keyboard. I can't tell you the times Bishop snapped those fingers He's preaching and smiling out here, but behind his back, boy, he is snapping and pointing at me. It's okay. Y'all can laugh. I'd want to cry, but, but how many of you know that was part of, of my training and, and, and learning how to flow in the Spirit? But my point is Jesus is coming for us. He's coming for us in the places that people don't see on a Sunday morning. Listen, we can come in, and I love it, that there is a corporate anointing in this place, that we can, we can usher in the presence of God. But listen, did your goosebumps help you when you got back home? Come on. Did the goosebumps help you? Are they helping you raise your children? Right? Are they helping you live pure in your marriage? Are they helping you live holy Live a holy life as a believer in Christ? Because the Holy Spirit is more than those goosebumps. He is a living third person of the Godhead that dwells inside you. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus had is inside of you. The same Holy Spirit that led Jesus to the wilderness for 40 days and was with him there in the wilderness. That same Holy Spirit is with you. And guess what? That same Holy Spirit that led him into the wilderness, he led him out of the wilderness. And he came out of the wilderness in power. In power. He didn't come out of the wilderness going, whew. Thank God I didn't eat for 40 days. I, I did check. I fasted. Come on now. I want to encourage you. Listen, I was a little disappointed that the Holy Spirit didn't let me use my other notes because they were a lot more fun than this. Right? But the Holy Spirit just even told me, just remind the body that, yes, our pastors are calling us to a fast. And you know what? Isaiah says, the fast that I'm calling you to, it's not some religious ritual that I want you to do to check the boxes to say, well, I started off the new year and I, you know, I didn't eat for 10 days or 18 days and we joke about it. Right? Isaiah 58 says, no, the fast I'm calling you to is to put away the pointing of the fingers, to put away the judging the people around you. Right? To purify yourselves. That's the fast that the Lord is calling us to. Why? Because we're such terrible, horrible people? No. Because we've got things to do. Right? Because we're advancing the cause. Because there's 750 people coming our way. And guess who's going to be the ones that are going to turn and strengthen them and disciple them and lead them to Jesus? Raise your hand because it's you. But how many of you know we're not going to be the ones doing that if our entire focus, instead of at the table with the Holy, and with the Holy Spirit, is on our belly button. We're just all stuck in ourselves. And how this person treated me and how that person treated me and how, you know, come on. You know, and I, I love the church. I wouldn't be who I am right now without the church. But I'm going to tell you, the church for me was not a building. The church for me was people. It was people that walked with me, that corrected me. I'm going to say that again, that corrected me. A lot of us, somebody corrects us and we tuck tail and run away and cry. And never show up again and say things around. I don't know who they think they are. They put on their pants the same way I do. Well, yes, they do. But God has given people for your life. Right? And we recognize those people. And those people become tools for us when we embrace the God in them. Right? And it sharpens us. So these are just some things. I'm just having a little family meeting with you as we get ready to go into 2022. Amen? 
And I'm going to hurry this last point because I only got a few minutes left. But so first point is new days begin in the dark. Right? Second point is this. New days demand new ways. Okay? You need to write that one down. New days demand new ways. Okay? We can say all day long. Well, it's a new year. It's a new year. I'm going into new year. God's got a new thing planned for me. Woo, I'm going to get some new. But how many of you know you're not going to get any new if you keep doing the same old? Right? Now, come on. I'm preaching to myself today, too, because trust me. Trust me. These are the things that the Holy Spirit is saying to me. New ways demand, new days demand new ways. So what does that look like? The Bible's very clear. It says things like this. You can't put new wine into old wineskin. You can't. It's not going to happen. It's not going to hold it, right? It might hold it for a little while, but eventually it's going to fall apart. And one of the pictures that the Holy Spirit keeps showing me about the, about the church is this. It's a chrysalis. Anybody know what a chrysalis is? It's a cocoon. Except, let me give you a science lesson. Cocoons are moths. Chrysalises are butterflies, Okay. So he keeps showing me a chrysalis, right? And it's like the church, the corporate new man. I'm going to call the church the new man in Christ. It's like that, that corporate church is just in that chrysalis. They're just there, right? They're being formed. They're being transformed. And I really see that God's just got his little, his sword, right? And he's starting to just cut that chrysalis because what he wants to come out of that chrysalis is the corporate New man, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Not full of ourselves. Come on. Right? Not full of our own way of thinking and our own way of doing things. Not full of, well, my mama said this and my daddy said this, right? No, but the new man empowered by who? The Holy Spirit. Because after all, guess what? The new man, when you get born again... You can, you're powerless without the Holy Spirit. Listen, you're blood-bought, you're washed, you're all of that. But the, per, that what gives us power is the Holy Spirit. That's why in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said to the disciples, listen, you're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and that power is going to cause you to be a witness. Okay? Now, I'm going to help you with what a witness is. A witness is somebody that actually testifies to Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. That sounds really simple. A lot of times what we think is, well, it's all about, well, I'm a good Christian because I go to church. But do people at your work know you're a Christian? Do people at your house know you're a follower of Christ? Would your family say that about you? Right? There's a song by Jason Upton that it's actually called The Falling Star. And there's a line in it that is so riveting to me because he's talking to the body of Christ. And he says, you look just like your enemy. So if we're going to walk in new days, how many of you know we have to allow the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to live as sons. Everybody say sons. Sons of God. Not sons of our culture. Come on. My loyalty is not to my culture. My loyalty is not to my family. Listen, my family, I have a close family. I have strong family ties. And I pray for them. I wish every single one of them was sitting in this church right now. But the bottom line is, sometimes, guess what? you gotta, you got to make tough decisions. That My loyalty is more with my father, come on, than it is my family. Are you with me on this? So we sons are loyal to the father. They're not even loyal. Listen, I'm going to help somebody. They're not even loyal to, to necessarily their pastors. But can I tell you something? If you're loyal to the father, guess who you're going to be loyal to? Your pastors. If you're loyal to the Father, guess who you're going to be loyal to? Your family. Right? But you're going to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to, it's not going to look the same way necessarily that the world says it has to look. 
okay? So new man corporately about to arise. But we keep wanting to fit all of that into an old, neat, comfortable wineskin of former, former days, right? Okay, so what does that look like? Well, I'll be a little bit vulnerable. In my life, it looks like, man, I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for harvest. But Lord, if, if I'm not going to be home by 7.30 every night, I, I don't know. <laughs> Come on. Right? We're saying, God, send me 750 people. You know, Lord, we want this. But Lord, if I'm going to have to, once I get home from work, if I'm going to have to feed the kids and hurry and put them back in the car and go somewhere, I don't know about that. Come on. Send us the, send us the world. But Lord, are you serious? I got to be at church at 730? Like, what is that about? What is that about? Send me the world, but I got to go to coffee with that person? Like, I don't even like her. Like, why do I have to go take her to coffee? Come on now. How many of you know? That's called the Lord raises us, and he raises us as sons. Right? The definition of insanity. Listen, I'm missing my bishop, so I'm going to quote him again for you today. He was the first person they ever heard say this. In the definition of insanity. He said a lot of things. Some of them I can't say from the pulpit right now. A couple of them that happened in that little green room. But I can say this one. Right? He said the definition of insanity is, you know what it is? We've all heard it. Doing the same thing and expecting what? Different results. New days demand new ways. Amen? Pastor Porter, you guys can come on up. Because this is pretty simple, and I'm, I'm getting ready to, to close out here. So my question to you is this. So are you, are you willing to live as a son as we go into the new year? And you're probably thinking, well, you know, I think I am a son. Yes, you are. But here's the deal. But sons are led by the Spirit. Everybody say led by the Spirit led by the Spirit. They don't come to church and necessarily, you know, get their blessing and then go back home and live the way that they always lived. Are you with me on that? Because if you look, the new way is the new covenant. And the new covenant became Christ in us. Colossians 1 says, it's Christ in us. He's the hope of glory. What was the new way for the disciples? The new way for the disciples was now instead of me hanging out and rubbing elbows with Jesus, now Jesus has gone back and is sitting at the right hand of God, and now he's in me, right? And now I'm living as he lived because that same power is in me. And he goes on to say this. John 16, 7 said this. He tells the disciples when they're in disillusionment because he's at the Last Supper and he's telling them, all right, guys, I'm going to go away. They're like, what? Where are you going? What do you mean? Right? And he says, no, but listen, it's profitable for you. It's a good thing that I'm going away. He said, because unless I go away, I can't send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the best gift that there is to you and to the church. And he's saying, listen, so you just go, you just tarry. Right? And the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when he comes, he's going to come in power. And he is going to be your voice of reason. He is going to be your voice of truth. He is going to be the person that leads you. He is going to be the person that speaks to you in the midnight hours. Right? He's going to be the person in the middle of the moment where you just feel like, where your old ways of doing things, everybody say old ways, okay? Where your old ways of doing something would be to tell somebody off. They deserve it. I have been patient. It is time, right? And the Holy Spirit is the one when you, when you say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you think of this? And he says, well, the end goal here is not that you're relieved and you get to say what you want to say. The end goal here is that this person sees Jesus. Come on, that's the Holy Spirit. Right? Your New Year's resolution, get rid of your temper, scratch that out and put live as a son. Live as a son. Right? Your New Year's resolution to break an addiction, no, scratch that out and put live as a son full of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? 
new ways and new days. In Acts, when, think about this. I'm going to close with this. Because I feel like this is who we are sometimes. If we're just real, we're family. I think Jesus knew that the upper room experience in Acts chapter 1 had to happen very quickly after he left. Because you think about the motley crew that went in. Think about it. 120 people went in, right? They were cowards. They were all hiding, John chapter 20, afraid, fearful. After that upper room, when the Holy Spirit came, they came out bold as lions. They came out. Peter said, I'll preach anywhere, any day. Lock me up. Throw me in prison. I don't care. I am full of the power of the Holy Spirit. They went in competing with each other. I mean, at the Last Supper, after Jesus told them he was going to die and everything, they're sitting there going, okay, okay, you're going to die? Okay, got it, got it, check. Hey, but can you tell us, like, who's going to be the most powerful when we get to heaven? Read it. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. (laughs) Jesus has just poured his his heart out to them and said, listen, I'm going. And they're like, that's okay. Note to self, he's going to die in three days. He's going to raise up. But what I really want to know is, Am I going to get to sit beside him up there or is John going to get to sit beside him? You're like, what does that have to do with us? Come on now. Even as believers in Christ, instead of walking shoulder to shoulder and knowing I have gifts, you have gifts, you have gifts, every single joint supplies. Sometimes we're just jockeying for position and who's going to get to sit where and who's going to get recognized. Jesus knew that about us, and it didn't make him turn away. He just said, I got, I got the solution. I'm going to send him to the upper room because the Holy Spirit's going to take care of that. So they went in as competitive people, and they came out walking in such unity that 120 people turned the world upside down. Listen, the gospel spread across the whole entire world because of 120 people that got into unity. Look around us. Come on. There's more than 120 people here, guys. And it wasn't because they all started dressing the same. It wasn't because they all became really good friends. Because if you go ahead and read further on, Peter and Paul still had disagreements. They decided to go start churches in different places. And, and, and Right? Come on. It wasn't because of that. It was because the one thing that they did have in common was that they were sons and they were walking according to the power of the Holy Spirit and they found their acceptance and they got their walking orders from Him. So it really didn't matter if all these people agreed with me or not because I'm going with God. Amen? So they came out bold they, and Jesus knew it was going to take that. He knew that the same Holy Spirit that had led him for 33 years, that that was the same Holy Spirit it was going to take to lead us and to keep us in one with Him. Amen? And so as we close today, I ask Porter just to lead this song for us. And I just want you to stand. Because I just feel like today is about, listen, if you're in here and you're saying, man, I'm starting in darkness. I'm starting this year in darkness. It's okay. He's with you. He's going to walk into your room. Amen. And if you're here and as we, and you're saying, you know what? I need some new ways. I need some new ways in my life. But here's what I want you to, to hear as we close. It's not about you going home and trying harder. It's not about that. It's not, it's, it's not about you trying harder. It's about you depending more. It's about you saying, Lord, I don't know how to live this life. I don't know how to do it, but I know you've got a place for me at the table. And I know when I forget who I am and I'm about to lose my mind, I come to the table and you remind me. How many of you know David said he prepares a place for me in the presence of my enemies? And it's at the table of the Lord. And he says, then he anoints my head with oil. He soothes my mind. He reminds me of who I am. I get his mind. And then he said, then he turns around and he says, okay, now get up and go ahead. Go on out there because surely goodness and mercy are going to follow you now. Come on. Are you ready to come to the table today? 
Come on, let's just lift our hands and let's just sing this as we close today. Oh, Lord, we love you. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. And when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning. Cause nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. Father, I pray for intimacy 
Lord, that you show us the new ways that you have for us. God, not formulas, not rituals. Lord, not anything other than just you and I sitting at the table and you talking to us and you saying, here's the way, walk in it. Here's what I want you to say. Here's how I want you to move. Here's what I want you to do. So Father, we just give you that permission. Father, I pray as we go into a corporate fast, Father, that you speak to us in ways that we've never heard before. God, I pray for our pastors today. Come on, extend your hand towards our pastors. Lord, I pray for our pastors today. God, I thank you for the faithfulness of 30 years. But God, I thank you for the faithfulness that's coming, Father, in the next 30 years. Father, I thank you for the building that's coming. Father, and the only thing that you are building is your church. God, I thank you that you are building your church, Father. And Lord, I just thank you that we have pastors that are loyal to you and to your heart. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. You know, the only thing that Christ is building is the church. Guess who the church is? Point to yourself. He's not building huge Instagram pages for how many likes you're going to get. Come on. He's not building your own personal ministry. Listen, I love you enough to talk truth to you. He's not building your own personal ministry. Listen. There's one ministry. There's one. There's one, and it's his. Amen? And we're all part of that. Every single joint supplies. And so I just believe as we're going, as we leave today, and as we're going into 2022, that advance the cause is going to mean, yes, we're going to pay off debt, but it also means that people are coming and that God is building you. Will you allow him to build you? Come on, if you will allow him to build you, will you just raise your hand and just say, Lord, I allow you to build me as we go in. So, Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you for your presence. There is nothing like your presence, Lord. And I just want to do one more thing. Listen, if you are here today and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, listen, come see me. Come down. I'll pray with you. We'll pray with you. Miss Pam is here. We have, we have altar ministry. You cannot live without Christ. You are not fully alive without him. So if you're not sure of your salvation, or if you say, hey, I just, I just need, I, I want to rededicate my life as I go into a 2022, come see me as we dismiss. I'll be down here. We'll pray with you. We love you, right? And, and as Pastor Chuck said, no prayer. We're not meeting corporately for Prayer Tuesday. But we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Our pastor's going to be in the pulpit. It's going to be kicking off where we're headed. And um, God's going to do some incredible things. Amen? Amen. Why don't you high-five somebody, hug them as you head out today.